You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. It's Monday, 19 February. U.S. markets are closed today for President's Day. I'm Simon Brown coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, Nikunza from Sunlam Private Wealth. Uh, we have the We Buy Cars listing details. Nikkei 225 within a whisker of that 1989 all-time highs. I'd hoped we'd get it this morning, but nope, it is down. Noreen Fissa, ETFSA on partial delistings on ETFs. Or should we worry? Petri Radenhase from Herenia Capital Advisors. Bitcoin's halving. Uh, what is it? What do we expect? What, how does it work? This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from News 24. Battle over Transnet Acting Group CEO position after Michelle Phillips is recommended. We need a CEO there, folks. Business day, tapping into the contingency reserve account is on, says ABSA, but rules are key. Such a move may have important monetary policy and political economy implications, bank economist warns. Morning markets, US was red, S&P off half a percent and NASDAQ down 0.9%. Over in the east, it is mostly red. Sydney's up a tenth of a percent. Tokyo uh, down a third. Hong Kong down 0.8 percent. Ten cent off 1.7 percent. Commodities, all green. Gold, 2032. Brent, 82.97. Platinum, 9.11. Palladium, 9.61. Rand is 18.89. Bitcoin, 52,000. And top 40 expected opening, 190 points to the down, 0.3 percent red open. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Tony now with uh, Nick Kunza Sunlam Private Wealth. Nick, I want to k- start off with that Nikkei 225. I've got the chart here. It, is a, it, it, it remains for me the most staggering uh, index chart I've seen. I mean, stocks do this, but this is an index that peaked, what, December 89, January 1990. And literally, I'm trying to do the math, 34 years later, we're almost back at those numbers. It is just, it, it's mind boggling. Yeah, morning, Simon. I think you and I were both probably uh, writing exams in school the last <laughs> time at these levels, which is which is staggering. But uh, no jokes aside, I mean, it, it just it does show you, Simon, that um, you know markets don't necessarily always go up, uh, and this is a classic case of 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 hype at the time. Uh, you know, they were pushing to be the largest economy in the world. They're buying up every single asset known. Mm-hmm. I mean, half of America was being bought by the Japanese, uh, and look where they are now. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of it to do with, with, with local policies. You know, they've, at the moment, uh, the, the pushing higher in their equity market is driven solely on the fact that they're the last remaining central bank with zero interest rates. In fact, yeah. negative interest rates. So they're still alive and well and, and no, you know, speculation of changing at some point. So uh, the last uh, couple of years, you want any return as a Japanese uh, investor or any yield, you mm. have to be in equity markets. Uh, and that's what's living to. But yeah, long-term uh, staggering graph really is. Yeah, yeah. And because it, it went to those levels so quickly. I mean, literally, I was in a, mm. I mean, five years, it went from 8,000 to 40,000 and then back to that, uh, that 8,000. We buy cars. Uh, the transaction capital came out of all the details on Friday. They, I suppose, unsurprisingly, are turning a very bullish story saying it's, you know, that web, we buy cars is frankly worth more than transaction capital is currently. Are you buying that? Are you, are you looking at this with interest or taking a wait and see? 
So it's just disclosure. We don't have exposure to it, so we get that out of the way first. But, I mean, just we do have clients that hold it. And, you know, f- for me, yes, I think there's probably some truth in it. You know, there's, uh, that, that second-hand car market is worth quite a bit. I mean, who wants the uh, the debt laid on the other side of that mm. business? I mean, the question for me, uh, Simon, is, you know, what do you do with the second half of it then? You know, <laughs> if, if, you, if, you, if you're spinning off this, the, supposedly this profitable listing, what happens to the other half? Uh, but they do need to pay down that debt. As we all know, recently with interest rates where they are, you know, debt is a killer. Uh, uh, and they're going to need to use it. Sounds like they're going to use the majority of the spin-off to, to pay off some of that debt. So I think all in all, you, I can see the positive spin to it. Uh, although uh, how the, the 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 sort of two entities or whatever trade going forward, I'm not sure. And, and obviously, Simon for long-term shareholders, nine rand forty is 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 quite far away from if you'd bought it near thirty bucks. So long way to go still. Yeah, it took a very very long way to go. Last question: Pick and pay. Uh, more than anything, an interesting chart. I mean, particularly in the weekly daily chart, suddenly running. I mean, obviously, folks are saying you know Sean Summers can perhaps do this. Your take on that? I mean, is there they're, they're worth a a punch here and just Disclosure, yeah, I have some pick and pay because the chart was looking interesting. <laughs> well, I hope you bought it near 22. Um, it is it, it is looking interesting. I agree with you. And, and certainly from a valuation play, it's not overly demanding. I mean, current... Uh, Current P of around about you know current P uh, the dividend yield sorry the dividend yield is, is closer to sort of seven percent. The problem I've got with pick and pay is you, you're competing with the best of breed here, which is Shoprite. Yeah. Um, and they are expanding at a rate of knots, and 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 you know for pick and pay to play catch up, they're going to need to get Sean Summers is going to need to get that checkbook out and spend the money, and and they're not in that position. They're not running a profit like they used to. So I think logistically. Financially, uh, you know, w- looking at those numbers, they're going to need to spend money. I'm not sure they're in a position to do that. But uh, I take your point. From from a technical point of view, it looks like it's bottomed. You know, maybe there's a there's a bit more legs in this price yet. We'll leave that there. Nick Kunza, Sunland Private Wealth. Appreciate the early morning. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. Standing now with uh, Narina Fissa, director at ETFSA. Narina, appreciate the early morning partial delistings of ETFs. We see them. I'm looking, for example, the Satrix Resi one. There's obviously it happens on many. All these sense announcements saying partial delisting. Every time it happens, uh, I, I, there's a sort of flurry of folks saying, "Oh, they're cancelling my ETF." What is the story with the partial delisting? And I suspect we might have to go back to how we create the the, the ETF units. <laughs> Good morning, Simon. Good morning to all the listeners. Yes, I think very important to remember that ETFs are first and foremost also collective investment schemes, so mm. unit trusts in global terms. And these are open-ended funds, which means that they can increase in size and they can decrease in size. So when you see a notice of a partial delisting, it really just means that some units have been cancelled and they've sold the underlying assets, um, you know, to make up for the for the partial delisting to pay out the investment. But more often than partial delistings, we actually see new listing of units. I mean, to the tune of during 2023 on the JSE, we saw 10 billion rand of net new 
assets being created within the exchange traded product um, universe on the JSE. So, so yes, nothing to be concerned about when we see a SENS announcement about a partial delisting. It's evidence of a very well functioning market. Very important, having a cl an open-ended fund means that the ETF trades at its net asset value. Mm -hmm. If you had a closed fund, you would have a situation where there's, there might be excess demand for units, in which case they start trading at a premium. Or there might be excess supply, you know, um, and then they start trading at a discount. So the fact that they are able to create and redeem on the fly is what makes them trade at their nest asset value. And it means that you, the investor, are always buying those ETF units at their fair value, at the true value of the underlying. So a great evidence of a well-functioning market. I, I take your point on that. It, it, it does mean, and, and, and that ability to buy at net asset value is, is hugely important. It means I don't overpay. And of course, the, the net asset value is easy to determine because there's an underlying basket of shares. We can debate the value of the shares, but they have a price, and that's what then flows into the ETF price. Exactly, exactly. So your basket of shares, always the fair value in the sense is really just the value of the shares in the underlying basket. So yes, you and I can debate whether that is, um, you know, mm -hmm. too expensive or not expensive enough. But the point being that that reflects what the current market value is of those underlying shares or assets within the basket. And that is the fair value that the market attributes to it at any point in time. And in essence, that partial delisting is just saying that in the in the immediate term, there's the there's, there's less investor appetite for, and again, I'm looking at the Resi one. I could have picked any one of 100 ETFs. Um, and right now, there's just, you know, uh, uh, investors are saying, nah, don't want me so much Resi anymore, selling back to the the, the market maker. Um, and, and it's a short-term less interest. But that, it, it's almost, I want to say, it almost doesn't matter. Exactly, exactly. And and yes, you're quite right. Over time, one could look at these trends in terms of net, um, you know, sort of increases in shares and issue versus net decreases. And it does give you some um, sort of indication in terms of where the appetite for the market is. So as you say, you sort of chose the resi now. Mm. And I don't think it, it, it takes, um, you know, sort of rocket science to sort of appreciate that at the moment with commodity prices where they are, with the mining industry where it finds itself, that there's just not as much demand for the these types of investments at the moment. But you turn your attention to maybe the high tech, the fangs, the AI, mm -hmm. um, you know, these sort of ones, and you'll see net increases in shares and issue because that's where the demand is. So it is an interesting exercise over time to monitor these. But I would also caution reading too much into that because, um, you know, to sort of yeah. assume yeah. that just because <laughs> something um, is in some partial delisting, that there's some negative sort of perspective on that. Not necessarily. You don't always know why existing investors are selling out and what they're buying in the place of it. Yeah, or where they bought. I mean, it might just be somebody in, I don't know, Potchestroom who's got a big weekend planned and needs some cash flow. <laughs> a, a, a quick last or, point. Sorry? Yes. No, I was just going to say, exactly at this time of year, we often find that people are doing trading for a tax hearing ah, purposes, for example. Mm -hmm. wanting to make you know contributions to their retirement annuities or to their tax-free investment accounts or whatever the case might be so don't presume that what you see in terms of market activity means what you think it means they might be it's much like when when um you know management sells shares in the company 
that's not always a, yeah. a reflection of them being negative on the on the outlook for the company, but rather them just sort of doing some risk management, perhaps in their own personal share portfolio. Hundred percent, and you and you make the point then. Of course, it's February, which means we are what we ten days because there's an extra day this year from the the, the tax year end <laughs> for individuals. And, and you yeah. said before on the show that if you if you haven't maxed out your tax free or your Reg Twenty Eight uh, 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 limit so far, if you've got some discretionary ETFs, it might be worth selling those to put them into the 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 the, the, the tax free limit. Thirty six thousand for tax free, and what's it? Uh, Three hundred and fifty or two. 2,000 or 27.5%. Absolutely, Simon. You're so right. You know, often people sort of think about these things about what, but what if the market is currently at a high or at mm. a low or whatever it might <laughs> be. But if you are moving from an existing investment that is just in a discretionary or a voluntary investment account where you don't have any tax benefits, moving money from that type of investment to your tax-free or to your retirement annuity that does offer some some tax benefits, this is just great doing it because it really doesn't matter at what level the market finds itself. You are moving from one investment to another investment in whatever the prevailing market conditions are, but you're doing so into a more tax-efficient vehicle. Of course, you should be doing this in terms of your tax-free right at the start of the tax year. So if you haven't done it yet for the current tax year ending on the 29th of February, please do so. But remember, as soon as one March rolls around, you can do your next tax year's contribution. And we usually recommend do your tax-free investment contributions as early as possible in the tax year so that you enjoy four quarters or 12 months worth of tax-free interest, tax-free dividends, tax-free capital growth. You can wait to do your retirement contributions later in the year because it doesn't matter when you do it, you get exactly the same tax benefit. Um, so just, you know, sort of a, a timing maybe consideration for people in terms of thinking about how to best optimize their tax um, sort of opportunities in investments. Gotcha. We'll leave it there. Nirina Fissett, Director, ETFSA. Appreciate the early morning. Your money can do more when it's investing with conviction. Our partnership with J.P. Morgan Asset Management gives you access to in-depth, broad market research and high-return investment strategies. So invest in a select set of companies with long-term structural growth potential with Stanlib's Global Growth Fund. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Checking now with uh, Peter Redden, his Herenia Capital Advisors. Petri, appreciate the early morning. Bitcoin halving, this is sort of starting to pop up left, right and center on my uh, uh, Twitter feeds and, 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 and folks emailing and the like. I suppose first point, what is Bitcoin halving? Why is it such a big deal and, and why is suddenly everyone so excited about it? <laughs> morning, Simon. Um, and yeah, this is something that uh, I'm sure we've even discussed on this show before. No, it's uh, half before, so probably... <laughs> Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time actually if you think about it. Um, but it's uh, every four years. There's a four year cycle that Bitcoin goes through, and every mm-hmm. four years, eventually there is a halving. So that is what is built into the algorithm of how Bitcoin works, right? So essentially, whenever somebody mines Bitcoin or um, processes transactions, uh, you know, if somebody mm-hmm. sending Bitcoin up and down the network or to and from each other. Uh, those transactions need to be processed. That process of uh, processing transactions is called mining. So when somebody 
Um, it's a bit maybe too complex to get into the very fine details, but for mining or for processing those transactions, the, the processors or the miners in this case get rewarded or paid in Bitcoin. So mm-hmm. essentially when Bitcoin started, every sort of, I think, you know, 10 minutes or so, a new block was found or a new group of transactions was successfully processed. Um, 50 Bitcoin would be created. Uh, and this would happen every 10 minutes, right? Yo, okay. Then essentially uh, four years later, that was halved to 25 Bitcoin. Four years later, halved again to 12 and a half Bitcoin. Four years later, halved again to 6.75 Bitcoin. So essentially what's happening is the same amount of effort is going into processing these transactions. This is computing power, yeah. uh, you know, e- electricity, all that kind of stuff. And the reward for doing this is halving. Uh, so this does one of two things. One, you kind of under this logarithmic curve uh, are creating Bitcoin every 10 minutes, but the amount of Bitcoin you're creating is halving every four years, which means that there is eventually a, a, a sort of a finite cap of the maximum amount of Bitcoin yeah. that will ever exist. Uh, so that's the first thing that it does. And the second thing that it does is it continues to sort of um, dry up demand. So it's kind of the exact opposite of what the central bank does. They just print more money. Well, Bitcoin keeps printing less money. Keeps printing less money. But but there's another issue here as well, which is that the miners are now earning half the amount of money that they were getting, or or they're getting, I suppose they're getting half the amount of money or half the reward, which kind of means that the price needs to keep moving higher. And that's why there's so much excitement around the halving uh, periods, I would understand, because it needs to compensate those miners. Otherwise, they exit the system. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So uh, essentially what happens is if you were making, you know, toothbrushes and you were making 100 a day and you were selling them for 100 bucks, uh, now, you know, for one rand each, yeah. now suddenly, uh, you know, you're still making, um, you, you know, now suddenly you can only produce 50. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you still need to generate 100 rand a day. So what do you do? You double the price of the toothbrushes you're selling. Gotcha. So that's exactly what happens here. Uh, because I put the same amount of input material, the same amount of yeah. resources, the same amount of computing power, but I'm producing half the product. So there's a supply-demand mismatch at this mm-hmm. point because there's still quite a bit of demand, just suddenly supply halved. So gotcha. <laughs> it has to go up, right? Yeah, if it goes up or, 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 or I, don't, I mean, I was going to say, if it goes up, I don't, if it doesn't, I suppose the whole thing collapses, uh, that the miners exit and we can get a 50% attack, or the unlikely, in fact, if not impossible in Bitcoin. We leave it there. Peter Rainhouse, Herenia Capital Advisors, appreciate the early morning. And that's our poll today, chatting with Petri there around the Bitcoin halving. So we've got Bitcoin, what, 52,000 US dollars? almost 1 million rand per coin. Fortunately, we can buy slices of coins. A question to you, are you holding the crypto? Uh, Perhaps you prefer others. Perhaps it's a case of no crypto for you. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. MoneyWeb at Midday is South Africa's fastest-paced audio news and current affairs show. Give me 30 minutes and I'll give you the country and the world. This is what you missed. 
Jeremy, if you take a very long-term view, you know, and you compare South Africa today to 30 years ago, on many fronts, the country is in infinitely better place. We don't live in that country that used to exist, particularly from a perspective of political participation and civil liberties. Live at noon weekdays and then up as a podcast on moneyweb.co.za. Moneyweb at midday with me, Jeremy Max, when you need relevant news quickly in your own time. Episode for today. On Friday, we were chatting with uh, Jabir Bhutto. He, of course, from uh, KPMG. We're talking around uh, prospects for tax increases. The finance minister has said, he said in his uh, midterm budget policy statement, that we need to raise taxes. Uh, we asked chatting with Jabir around where he could perhaps do it. We asked you if you thought he would rise. And it was pretty much half of you said, no, we're struggling. You can't afford two thirds. Said he has to. The rest said, but can you just make it only a little bit? Have your vote. Have your say. LinkedIn and Twitter. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning. The Money Web website's in the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie Nobuchlet, Nicole Masechla, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is Money Web Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.